The average person touches their face two or three thousand times a day. Two or three thousand times a day? Three to five times every waking minute. In between, we're touching doorknobs, water fountains, elevator buttons, and each other. From this evening, I must give the British people a very simple instruction. You must stay at home. Because the critical thing we must do to stop the disease spreading between households. You gotta isolate the sick, and I mean really isolate them, Billy. We gotta get everybody else back into the houses. We gotta keep them there. We're doing that, Sam. No, we're not doing it because I just drove through a hundred people. And if one of them has got it, then ten of them have got it. And if one of them gets out of Cedar Creek, Billy, then we're in deep fucking shit. And we're already in deep fucking shit. And therefore, I urge you, at this moment of national emergency, to stay at home, protect our NHS, and save lives. Welcome to the Movie Robcast, with me, your host, Rob Daniel, and as always, I'm very happy to say I'm joined by my lovely, my resplendent, my sniffle-free co-host, Mr. Rob Wallace. Yeah, so far, sniffle-free, glad to report. Um, And yeah, I guess joined by is taking on a slightly different meaning on this particular pod. Yeah, so this is a, I suppose it's like a test pod. This is the first one that we have remotely recorded where we are not both in the same room. I can't quite remember the reason for that, but um, anyway. So yeah, so Rob's recording his end, I'm recording my end, and we will see how this one turns out. But uh, yes, obviously we are social distancing, we're staying home, but we thought well, we need to get a podcast out. And uh, also, as I'm social distancing alone, I need to talk to someone. So <laughs> Rob was very, very happy to, uh, to jump on a call. Entirely, yeah, of course. So really, um, in terms of what we're going to talk about on this one, so the last episode we did was about Onward. And on that episode, we talked about how we thought that Mulan would be our next episode. At the time, we didn't think that Disney were going to push it back. And then also at the time, we didn't think that things were going to become quite as dramatic as they have. And of course, all the cinemas have closed and now all the restaurants and pubs have closed and people are being urged to stay indoors. So we won't be watching Mulan. But we thought there's a lot of things that we can do podcasts about. But I think this one would just be more of a general chat about what will be coming up. Yes. Well, what could be coming up. Yes, indeed. I think that there'll be a lot of this will be... Excuse me. <clears throat> Did that cough mean anything? I don't know. It didn't. A lot of this will be off the hoof. We have had a few discussions offline about different things that we can do. And I think there are some quite nice ideas there. So, but yeah, obviously it's going to be much more um, yeah, retrospectives, much more uh, speculating, I think, about what things are going to be coming along, what studios are going to be doing. So, um, Rob, I saw that uh, The Invisible Man and Emma and The Hunt are now all available to rent digitally for fifteen ninety nine. Yeah, it's a, it's a fair old whack, but I guess when they're... Well, first with the studios are trying to supplement the, the uh, cinema income theatrical release, which uh, aren't going to happen. And secondly, obviously, if you're hiring, you know, for a, for a bunch of mates or family, well, yeah, it might be tough under, well, under self-containment. But if you're, if you're hiring for a large group of people, I guess it works out somewhat cheaper. Yeah, indeed. I think the idea is that most people will be in a group, so you'll be able to go halves or you know, quarters on it or something like that. In the States, it's I think it's $19.99. So $15.99 here is about the same. But I think, well, if they do have to release 
things like Mulan and Black Widow if things go really bad and we have to um, social distance well, into the summer I, then yeah, fifteen ninety nine is actually not that bad I think that actually they're more likely to just push back the theatrical release of those titles because think about it it's not like everything that they would be working on producing has also been well, effectively you know, they've shut down production and everything yeah so I, I think that the pipeline is just going to get moved back like six months to a year so instead of seeing Mulan now, we'll be seeing Mulan, I don't know, potentially next year. They might push it back a full year. They did with the Fast and Furious 9. Yeah, I thought that would be the other thing that they do in terms of if they say, actually, well, we can just write off the profit quarters this year because this is so unprecedented in our lifetime. So therefore, we don't have to do a quarterly report for the next 12 months, then yes, I think they would push them back because no matter how many people watch them from home, they are going to see a hit in their box office if they have to release at home. But I think they will, for some of the smaller films, they might just keep seeding them out. Well, do you know if only... arriving on home entertainment soon? Disney Plus? Sorry, do you know uh, what title, um, well, we've discussed very recently, is arriving on uh, T-Yod for, uh, to rent very soon, by what I've heard? No, what's that one? Onward. Oh, right. So they will be doing what well, they have to. Yeah, because that had about a week and a half or so in cinemas here. So um, I can see them doing that. And Bloodshot too, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that needs all the help it can get. Not heard any good things about that. Although I do have to admit, I am slightly interested in seeing what a Vin Diesel superhero movie looks like. Yeah, you know, it's going to be... I've I've got a bit of a soft spot for the triple X films, and he's uh, you know he's uh, gives a uh, good value for money in Fast and Furious. Actually, I say gives good value for money. I have no idea what he's getting paid for those films, so <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not I'm not I'm not in a position to make that comment. Um, no, but it's a it will be really interesting to see how this impacts the industry, especially. I mean, it, I, I think a lot of the smaller distributors might potentially be, I guess, okay for the immediate future as long as they've got their slates lined up, because a lot of them wouldn't have been doing theatrical releases anyway. Or would be doing limited theatrical, whereas a lot of the larger studios, especially with films due out imminently that they've already started the marketing campaigns for, are going to take a blow. I mean, I'd be amazed to see how much the uh, well, how much the Bond pushback costs, and yes, like, and how that's going to influence Bond's value, perceived value as a franchise, you know, fairly or other, fairly or unfairly. Yeah, that's right. That's interesting about the smaller distributors. I think you're right that most of their stuff does just go to DVD and to digital rental. But I suppose they always have a few theatricals a year that will provide them like a bit of cushion. If I was at Curzon right now, I would just be saying, thank God that we released Parasite as early as we did so that it could earn the 12 million that it made in this country before it got affected by I, this. I, I, I never thought we'd be saying, thank God they released Parasite so early. Yes, that's right. Yeah, because it seems like ages to get here, didn't it? But yeah, because they made 12 million off that, which must have been at the higher end of their wilder estimates. And that must be giving them a bit of a cushion for this year. But yeah, well, I mean, it's, you know, so go on. Say, it's, it's going to be the, the Oscars, are, you know, I know the Oscars, they, they, I know they don't tend to release a lot of the Oscar films out, you know, towards the end of the year. And if it's still going on at that point, it'd be a completely different environment for, well, for, for many things, you know, cinema saying the least. But yeah, it would be interesting. What films are currently are currently eligible for Oscars? Well, that's a very good I question, mean, onward, Rob, because... On, on, um, onwards winning Best Animated Film, if not Best Film. <laughs> yes, Onward, I think. It could be two years in a row where the Oscars actually, you have a shock surprise for Best Picture. Because for Best Picture, the nominations are The Gentleman, Bad Boys for Life, Onward, The Hunt, The Invisible Man... Bloodshot. Bloodshot, 
Yeah, there hasn't really been. You know what? If it could, it could be, it could be end up being a really good year for genre films, uh, prestige-wise. I mean, I don't think there are enough people to nominate. But who would you give the awards to in each major category based on that selection? Okay, that's a really good question. So I would give Best Actress to Betty Gilpin for The Hunt because The Hunt I thought was a really, really nice surprise. I yeah, really got on with it. Um, I thought it did some very interesting things on the most dangerous game scenario and. She's just really funny. She just has this really arch, quite wry tone to her performance, coupled with a naturalistic tone. And I hadn't seen her in anything else before. So I would give her best actress because off the back of the hunt, I then thought, well, let's have a look at Glow then. Because I like Alison Brie and she's in Glow as well, apparently, Betty Gilpin. So let's see what Glow's like. And then I watched all of Glow in about five days. Um, So... It got me to Glow as well, so uh, and watch Glow if you haven't seen it because it's great. Um, who would you give best actor? I'm not sure. I say I'm, I say I, I haven't seen The Hunt, so my best actress candidate would probably be Elizabeth Moss. Yeah, um, just you know for the Invisible Woman. Uh, best actor's a bit tougher because I can't think of any really good. Well, oh god, it's Will Smith finally gets the best actor award, and it's for Bad Boys for Life. <laughs> I was thinking that I could only think Bad Boys for Life. Mr. Will Smith, yeah, he is best actor. You know who best supporting actor would be? Martin Lawrence? No, although actually he was surprisingly agreeable in Bad Boys for Life. Who who are you thinking? Charlie Hunnam for The Gentleman for making it watchable. Yeah, Um, there's also been, what else has there been out? Um, I'm just currently, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh yes, indeed, I have not seen that. Did you see that one? Actually, do you know who I'd give best supporting actor to? Go on. Ewan McGregor for Birds of Prey. Yeah? Yes, I think you're right. Yes, it would be. It would be Ewan McGregor for Birds of Prey. Which is a shame because Charlie Hunnam did sterling work in that piece of shit movie by making his scenes watchable. Um, but uh, yes, The Gentleman is is a real stinker. But it would be hilarious if it was Oscar nominated because there's nothing else. Um, and yeah, best how about, uh, I guess... So go on. Uh, yeah, what about, yeah, I guess, the other uh, Best Supporting Actress? I'm trying to think, what have we seen this year? Um, hmm... Because it'd probably be Birds of Prey, wouldn't it? But yeah, maybe Mary Elizabeth Winstead. I thought she was, I was good about in to that. Say, yeah, yeah. I mean, that'd be that. would be both halves of the couple taking home Oscars. Yes, it would be because there's a nice kind of um, continuity there. Because of course, Suicide Squad won an Oscar, so it would be nice if Birds of Prey won an Oscar as well. Um, best director. You know what? I'm going to go. I'm going to go with the Invisible Man again. I'm going to go with Lee Wannell. Yeah. As you said in the episode where we reviewed The Invisible Man, a lot of the good stuff that came from The Invisible Man was reminiscent of The Shallows. And also I would say that it doesn't deserve Best Director because we were both confused, as were other people confused about the character dynamics between the Elizabeth Moss character and her sister and her friend and her friend's daughter. Everyone's confused. Everyone thinks that her sister was married to that guy when actually, no, there's no relationship there. So I would say no. Nah. I would actually probably say Dan Scanlon for Onward. That yeah, that, that'd be, that, yeah, that'd be good. And Best Picture? I mean, if it's the one that I think is the best film, it would be Onward. Yeah, I think I think there's a strong case for Onward for Best Film. If not, then it will go to Bad Boys for Life. <laughs> oh, that would be great. Do you know what, though? If that was... It could be an Oscars that people watch if you're going to nominate those sort of films. I mean, that would be... Um... I'm, not, I'm, I'm just opening an article on um, Sight and Sound's best films of 2020, which is just going to really sink our, sink our boat when it turns out some actually good, worthwhile films have come out. Yes. Um, I, I mean, Baccarat's been released, so that could get best foreign language. That's the Mexican one, isn't it? Uh, Brazilian. 
Brazilian, sorry, yes. Um, I saw that at the LFF last year and thought it was good. It's about two and a quarter hours long and it's really well worth doing some reading on what it's referencing because it references the politics of Brazil and a lot of things that have happened recently and it's quite allegorical in a way. So when I watched it, I thought this is an interesting film, but I'm very aware that it's quite long and there are stretches that are quite dull. But then when I was reading about it, it's like, well, actually, okay, right. I can see why this is playing so well to Brazilian audiences because it's um, a very dark political satire. It does have an amazing scene in it involving a naked elderly couple wielding yes, shotguns. You, and I think that's what gets it as, the 18, to be honest. As all films should have. Sorry, what was that? As all films should have. As all films should have. Yeah, they should all have an elderly naked couple wielding shotguns. So that was probably the best scene in the I, film. Uh, I haven't seen... I haven't seen Dark Waters, the the Mark Ruffalo corporate legal drama. Is that about Teflon or something like that? It's about yeah, some it's, kind of corporate malfeasance, isn't it? It's about, I think, chemical pollution. Yes, that's right. And things are being released into the rivers. Yeah, I think it's like... Oh, it's, I think it's, um, it's the DuPont family, isn't it? Who were... Yeah, who, uh, who, who owned the company whose runoff, I think, was basically poisoning the community. Yes, and again, I can't believe it's written by Todd Haynes. It's directed by Todd Haynes. I'm sure he directs it very well. And I'm sure, you know, he, he really captures the 1970s kind of paranoid thriller vibe to it. Well, it seems like he was and... doing a bit of a Steven Soderbergh with Aaron Brockovich. But apparently this has less personality than Aaron Brockovich and is a bit of a anonymous film. But this could be the film that the Oscars, that the Academy say, thank God, we've got one that looks like an Oscar film. We've got one. We've got one. <laughs> But of course, Ghostbusters um, might not be released this year either. Well, it probably won't. Yes. Oh, actually, we are forgetting, I think, a few other ones that might be... Has St. Maud been released yet? No, no, that's in May. Yeah, hopefully that doesn't just go straight to digital rental because St. Maud should get a big screen release because it looks fantastic on a big screen. Uh, what about Portrait of a Lady on Fire? Yes, that, that was released. Its, okay, in which case, fine. That just wins best. That just wins best picture. That wins best actress and best supporting. I mean, it's but really, wasn't that, really good. Was that nominated last year though, or um, this year? Uh, I don't think it was. US release date, and it wasn't screened ahead Lady of time. because it was in the neon. No, it, it was released in. Oh, that's saying no. I'm saying US release date. USA release date. Portrait Lady on Fire, not UK release date. But I think it was screened in time because it was part of the screeners of the screeners that we got this year, wasn't it? Oh, was, uh, yeah. Was that just the fact that, Le- that Le- Les Miserables go beat it out for the French nom? Oh, right. I think did that. It? Yeah, wow. I think, actually, yeah. Now, now I say that, I think I think that's right. I think that's well. It might have backed the wrong horse there because uh, have you seen that portrait of a lady on fire has got is going to get the Criterion treatment in the next few months? It's very good. Yeah. Yeah, it really, really is worth a look. Um, there's Little Joe. There's The Lighthouse. The Lighthouse. The Lighthouse come out this year. Well, it did, but it came out. It was screened for consideration last year. So, um, yeah, that was another one. Yeah, yeah. So basically, all these films. It's around well, kind of this time, but it more. It tends to be early autumn when you start getting the Oscar films for next year. So, one of the theories that's been posited is that when it starts to get warmer in the summer, this is going to die down and we can stop the social distancing or we can scale it back. But everyone, well, the experts seem to think that it's going to come back in the autumn. If it does come back in the autumn, well, that's going to wipe out the London Film Festival as well. I mean, at the moment, Cannes looks like it's gone. It hasn't been confirmed yet, but I can't see them having the Cannes Film Festival in May. So, and then if the London Film Festival goes as well, because it's in the autumn and the coronavirus has come back, 
It could be that there are no festivals this year, which then would impact awards. And we might have a year without awards, which would be very interesting because then we would see what the commercial value of these awards really are and how the celebs are going to handle without having all the validation that they get through through being given these trinkets. What about about Joaquin Phoenix and his one tuxedo? I thought that was actually what was going to save us from coronavirus was the fact that he only had one tux for award season, but no, well, obviously not. Maybe he'll do something this year. So yeah, so this could be a very interesting year in terms of... um, Do 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 you know who it is going to be a good year for, I I think? potentially, as a filmmaker. Steven Soderbergh, he's been waiting for something like this. Well, I tell you what, that's that's the weird thing, because Contagion is number one, um, or is in the top ten a lot on all the digital rentals now, because no streaming service has got it just to watch. But it's also apparently number one on all the pirate sites. But I think that he is making, or yeah, everyone involved in Contagion who continues to receive royalties, I think are getting some quite large checks because they were involved with that film. Probably the same for Outbreak. That's going to feel feel ambiguous when you get that check. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It really is. It's like, oh my God, we tied in so closely and tapped into such a fear that's so topical that we are making money from it. Yeah, I wonder how that how you would feel if you got a check say for I don't know $30,000 or something and it's like oh that's because I was involved with that film or because I directed that film okay but I watched Outbreak last night and well Outbreak is just a a really good Hollywood popcorn film I so remember seeing it 25 years ago at the cinema and it went down so well with the audience because it's a yeah it's a really good race against time movie as well but just in terms of the the, the audience um, laughing and enjoying it and be like, well, no, luckily, luckily nothing like this could ever happen. Well, that's right. It was 95 that it came out and Ebola was a word that people were just beginning to really learn as being this horrible disease. But there hadn't really been a contagion film, I think, for a while. And also, like, yeah, the idea of having a pandemic wasn't really something that um, was in the public consciousness as, as much. So therefore... Outbreak seemed to quite a fresh and novel idea. And the idea of having... There's a great line in Outbreak when, um, unfortunately, the Kevin Spacey character says... um, Sorry, they've got the germ on a slide and they're looking at it on a computer screen. And he says, I hate this thing. And Dustin Hoffman's character says, but you have to admire its simplicity. It's a billionth our size and it's winning. And that, I think, is just one of those great lines that sums up the appeal of a Contagion movie. You can't see it, but it's going to beat you. And there's the scene in the movie theatre when the person coughs and then you follow all of the germs around as it goes into different people's mouths and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, this is a proper Hollywood popcorn blockbuster. But there are certain things in this now that are resonating much more than I think any of the filmmakers ever thought they would, particularly 25 years ago. Well, that's just the thing, you know, know, even counting SARS and Ebola, for most people within our lifetimes, this has always been science fiction. Yeah, that's right. However however grounded in, like, reality and possibility, they're going to close the cinemas going to stop everything and one of the things here actually the reason why this all seems so much like a movie is because a lot of the movies and a lot of the things that we watch have been very very popular as entertainment obviously be a zombie outbreaks being the big example are typically based on what happens in a pandemic so the research there is like they were looking to see how these things start, what the initial reactions are. I mean, um, I would imagine that Max Brooks is also getting quite a few orders for World War Z right now as well because that starts in China, doesn't it? And I think they start calling it Chinese flu uh, to begin with, because it seems to be this just this weird illness that everyone's getting. And there's a lot of parallels there, because he did his research. 
and the probability of things starting. It's like, well, it's going to start in a heavily populated area. Um, and I think the World War Z came around just after avian flu and SARS, which had come out of East Asia. It's just that when it happens in real life, because all these films are based on it, it's like, oh, it's, it's a bit like a zombie outbreak, isn't it? <laughs> but yeah, outbreak. And also, I always thought that if this happened, a monkey would save us, but it turns out there is no monkey here, so uh, a monkey's not going to save us this time. I, you know, I was reorganising my Blu-rays for the days ago, as you do, trying to put them in some semblance of um, alphabetical order. And obviously, the very first one in my alphabetical order is... 28 Days Later. Even even earlier. And definitely related to... Um, I don't know, which one's that? 12 Monkeys. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> yes, indeed, yeah. So I've got that on DVD, so that's not in my... I'm actually looking at my Blu-ray collection right now, and I'm, I'm looking at 28 Days Later. Yes, 12 Monkeys, that's right. Yeah, I need to go back and watch that because I can't think there aren't actually a lot of scenes in there that deal with uh, the virus, are there? It's um, it's more about like yeah, what happened after it kind of flicks around, doesn't it? Yes, yeah. So it's, it's about the aftermath. Twelve monkeys, of course. Yeah. So there's that. There's twenty eight days later and twenty eight weeks later. I think have their kind of like yeah parallels there. There's of course all the zombie films, The you know, Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead. Not to be morbid, but how are those pods doing in the aftermath? In the uh, sorry, in the aftermath? In the uh, in the continuing crisis. Had a couple of downloads. I did put them up onto Twitter, saying if you were, uh, if you want to see something, if you want to see like a pandemic that's treated in a very, very fictional way, then listen to our Night of the Living Dead series. And it had a little bit of attraction off the back of it, but not a huge amount, to be honest. I was, I'm not sure if people thought, no, I don't want to listen to that, or I'm just not in the mood to listen to that. But I would recommend that people do listen to them because they are, I think, pretty good discussions. You know, there's, yeah, you know, there's, there's uh, some good uh, etymological discussion in there, and a uh, bit on, bit on copyright law. Yes, indeed. There's also, in that actually, there is, because Ian does talk about the um, AIDS pandemic, doesn't he? Which was the last pandemic that we had, well, in my lifetime. Yeah, you were born a bit later. I think that was an epidemic. Everyone forgets that because it was the 80s and it was you know, mainly affecting a community who were ostracised um, and stigmatised by society. So um, people did look the other way and let it happen, really. It being treated as this thing that only that only affects one subset of the population that we don't like very much. So uh, yeah, and it was seen as like a biblical judgment and things like that. I mean, it was oh, it was like yeah, the Stone Age when you look back at it. Sometimes, have you seen that um, in Egypt there are now swarms of locusts? Because uh, I, I, is the sea being as it were blood? Well, it's boiling, <laughs> and this turned this weird rusty dogs and cats human. living together. That's hysteria. Yeah, apparently because of, and I could be wrong here, but because of very, very clement weather in Egypt, it means that locusts have uh, have just been able to thrive. So there are these swarms of locusts that are attacking the crops. And it's like, look, I'm an atheist, and I know this isn't anything other than climate change and things like that. But it is slightly, oh, look at that. That's a nice coincidence, isn't it? We uh, have pestilence and we have swarms of locusts. Okay. If I see a man on a white horse, I'm going to run the other way. If I see a man on a white horse and ask him if he's got any loo roll. Yes, indeed. I... He's wrapped the horse in loo roll. The horse was a nice dappled colour, but he's wrapped it in loo roll. That's why it looks white. He is deaf. Yes, if I see a man on a white horse and it's anyone other than Johnny Cash, then uh, I'm running the other way. Well, no, if it is Johnny Cash, I'm running the other way. Do you know what? If it was Johnny Cash back from the dead, I would probably go up to him and say, why are you here? But can I have your autograph, please? Gotta take a selfie. <laughs> so anyway, but in terms of other things that we were going to do, obviously we were going to record a podcast for No Time to Die. I was thinking um, 
because we won't be able to record that until later in the year, fingers crossed, should we do a podcast on Moonraker? Yes, I'm immediately up for this. I don't know why you've suggested Moonraker other than perhaps to pander to me, but yes. <laughs> Two reasons. One, because I know oh, of that course, you... because of Drax's plot. Well, yeah, well, there is that, actually. I actually completely forgot about that. One, I know that you really, really like Moonraker, so I think it would be a good discussion to have with you. And two, I just think in these times we need to keep things a bit light, although we haven't kept it that... Well, I've not kept it that light on this podcast, but I was thinking a nice episode about Moonraker, the silliest of all the Bond films, I think would actually... Moonraker. Would be good. Also, and- I think there's a case to be made that it, you know... There's definitely a case to be made for it being the silliest of the Bond films, but it's not like it does have some stiff competition. Oh, indeed, yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah, it doesn't have an invisible car. It does have... Actually, I'm going to save it. There's a thing I love to say about Moonraker, but I'm going to save it for the episode, because I would argue, as like a bit of a taster, that Moonraker is the most absurd Bond film. But there are reasons why it's the most absurd Bond film. More absurd than somebody riding a carpet across phone lines. Which one's that in? That's Octopussy. Uh, riding a car... Oh, yes. Yes, indeed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, indeed. (laughs) Well, we can get into that as well. But yeah, I just thought that Moonraker is so silly. It's so much fun. It would be a nice one to do. And I think it would be a genuine laugh. And plus, I've not seen Moonraker for a few years. So I'm due for another double-taking pigeon. (laughs) Let's not spoil what the next episode is going to be about. But actually, we've not even talked about how we're recording this. So because obviously we're social distancing, so we're in our houses. So I'm recording this on the microphone that we normally use. Rob's recording it on your computer. Is that right? Yes, I'm talking to you over the phone and recording this on my computer. And then I'm going to send you the file, which we we have done something that should hopefully vaguely make it possible to sync up. Yes. Um, Maybe, maybe, you know, you'll be able to, you know, get the editing really tight because you're chopping and changing from one to another and you don't have to worry about the overlap yeah we'll see but then so rob very kindly invested in a microphone so next time we'll be doing it on the zencaster platform so we'll see how that goes it seems pretty straightforward but uh it's like a conference call basically but yes. yeah the, the microphone that i've invested in is it's not the one that you suggested it's a samsung samsung sorry it's a samsung not the korean company the uh, the biblical um samsung saq2u all right okay and apparently it's, it's suitable for both podcasting and for singing so you know yeah, for podcasting and for singing yes well you did send through um a little bit of hamilton last night on a whatsapp group that we're in which was actually very nice. I did not get that reference at all. I'm going to... Yeah, and all this blows over, there are certain things I'm going to do. One is I will go and see Hamilton. <laughs> well, you should, also, lo- listen to the, you should also listen to the soundtrack, because the soundtrack by itself is, is available on Amazon and Spotify and everyone, and uh, it's, it's great. And you don't need to have seen the play to get the soundtrack, because a lot of it is exposition. Well, I was thinking that, but I'm kind of holding up. I'd like to see it first and then listen to the soundtrack afterwards. I'm kind of trying to hold back so that I can have the theatrical experience and see it, and then I can listen to the soundtrack afterwards. When you decide to uh, go and see Hamilton, let me know, because uh, if we can both get tickets, I would love to join you. That'd be ace. And if we're still remote recording this time next year, then I'll probably just buckle and listen to the Hamilton Spotify soundtrack. But hopefully by that point, we'll have been able to go into uh, slightly larger gatherings again. But who knows? trying to think of if there was anything else i was going to bother you with <laughs> this is as much a phone call as it is a podcast this episode yes completely unlike all our other podcasts that were definitely podcasts and not just conversations we would otherwise be having well there is that isn't there <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah that's a very good point 
even when we do the big video essays, um, sorry, the, the big audio essays like The Night of the Living Dead or Reservoir Dogs or JFK, they're still kind of conversations we would have anyway. I just put film clips in there as well. So what's next on your viewing list? Well, uh, doing a bit of prep, obviously, for our next podcast, which we uh, we won't spoil here. Then, well, Moonraker. Well, actually, there's one thing that I've got to recommend is The Platform, which dropped onto Netflix on Friday. It's a Spanish film. I haven't done any research and I've not um, written down any of the names. But I watched it yesterday. It is very good. It is well worth a look. It's 90 minutes and out, so it's a nice, swift running time. Basically about these people in this building, and they're in a room, and there's a hole in the middle of the room, and you look down and there are floors below where you can see people, and you look up and there are floors above. And every day, a platform will lower itself down through these rooms, stop at every room for a few minutes, and there's food on the platform, and you can eat as much as you want in the next couple of minutes. Of course, if you're on one of the high floors, it's fine. But if you're on floor 77, there's not much left. And it's in this time of panic buying, it actually resonated, I think, a lot more than Netflix or the film director intended. Yeah, it does seem a film that's particularly um, topical for the time. But it's also just a very, very good thriller. It's It's a bit like Cube. It has that sort of feel to it. It does default to English, so you have to go in and change the setting back to the original Spanish. But uh, yeah, the platform, well worth a look. Okay, I actually might watch that this evening then. Yes, it's not very cheery. I don't think it's like a family watch really, but it is very good though. And it does some really, really interesting things with the concept as well. What is really good for the whole family, I think, is Glow. Glow is just, oh, that was such a tonic in quite a dark time. It's just really, it's just a lovely show. It's brilliant. It's just going on the list. I've Now that, you know, that, now that I'm working from home and... Or is it glowing on the list? Sorry. <laughs> Well, that's that's me, Dub. That's, uh... <laughs> yeah, indeed. that's me, Dub, for the next three months. So uh, have fun with the social distancing, Rob. Uh, I didn't realise it would take something so small at the end of the day to uh, really just... Yeah. All right, then. Social distance well and stay healthy. Cheers, mate. You too. And to all of our listeners, the same goes to you. Stay healthy, look after yourselves, and we will speak to you again very, very soon. Speak to you again soon. Cheers. Bye. Try to remain calm. Many people are dying and are going to continue to die unless we find this monkey. There will be panic, the likes of which we have never seen. There you are!